Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Sky Ma, happy holidays and everything's better with a cocktail. <laughs> and Steve, Zips of Akron. Hey, we're getting close to New Year's Day, which means college basketball's back in session, even though it's been going on for about two months. Are you really like, do you, how, how much do you hate that we've had uh, Big Ten games already? Are you, are you I, I'm trying to remember how, how strongly the anti-early Big Ten you are. I'm anti-early Big Ten because I like, I like my life compartmentalized. And it's easier just to be like, all right, here's the non-con portion, the conference. And I feel like there's less of a, uh, just like less continuity between conference games when you kind of like just have these two early ones when teams are still gelling. I could get into it, Chris, but I would bore it. All right, well, we've got plenty more basketball coming a little bit later in the podcast, but we are going to start with football. Uh, normally, this is when we would go straight into a preview of Auburn and start talking about the Outback Bowl, but, you know, Kirk Shirock had decided he wanted to be closer to home and make more money and, you know, generally just change jobs and end up in Penn State, so we should probably talk about that. Um I guess I'll start off with, with, with you, Andy. What do you think having to replace Kirk Shiraka means for the bowl game? Well, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think, you know, hopefully the, the Gopher offense as a whole is, is used to, you know, all their position coaches sort of having roles. Um, I know Shiraka was probably working on most of the offensive game plan. And I think, you know, probably a lot of that will stay pit. Uh, um, you know, Matt Simon, the uh, wide receiver coach, is going to be calling the plays for the Gophers Wednesday now. Uh, I would imagine he'll stick pretty tightly to what Kirk's original game plan was. Uh, but he may throw in a few wrinkles. We just don't know. Um, but I can't imagine, you know, seeing that, that Chiraka just told Fleck on uh, on Wednesday or on Thursday that he was he was leaving um, you know, they've had two-thirds of their bowl practices already, so I can't imagine uh, they're going to completely change everything now that they only have a day or two to to really get everything, you know, reinstalled and things like that. So um, for, for the immediate future, I, I doubt we'll see too much of a, uh, a major change from what we saw this year on Wednesday. Do you, I mean, obviously none of us have any idea what kind of play caller uh, Matt Simon's going to be since we have no no film of him. He's not been an offensive coordinator previously. Uh, I guess the only thing that could change, I I would think would be, you know, maybe some tendency things. Maybe there's a situation where Kirk would have been, you know, more apt to call a run or a pass that uh, Simon might try to do something different. But I agree. I think in general, in general, I'd expect they, you know, you're right. They've ins- they've installed their their bowl package already. They've been practicing with it. I would I would think that the basics are going to remain the same, and at most, the flavor might change, or perhaps uh, the use of trick trick plays might change based on uh, you know um, personality rather than than package. Steve, I mean, what kind of things does are you wondering about as we as we see an off the first real coordinator change the first real uh, other than the rob smith change which i think we just you know nobody worries about because we just needed to get rid of rob smith i guess i have two questions and you know this is from the perspective of like the 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 lay fan um a now like like does this signify that the gophers have like arrived now that they're 
OC is being poached by a arguably like bigger program. Uh, that'd be my that'd be my first question. Second, uh, I'm also just kind of curious. Do you tend to promote from within in this scenario? Is that better to like kind of bring your guys up and have some continuity there, or is it better to go outside the program and bring somebody else out? I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> Andy, you want to take either of those to start? Yeah, I'll jump on the first one for pretty much there's been some type of turnover in the assistant coaches rank every single season. Um, for the most part, it's been people getting promoted. Um, now, while some will say this was a lateral move, let's be honest, um, going from Minnesota to Penn State is a promotion because he's going to get a fairly significant raise, I would assume, and he did want to go back out east because his kids are out there. Um, but, you know, as we saw that, um, you know, our, our Marcus West, our D-line coach, went and became a defensive coordinator, and we've seen uh, some of our other secondary coaches getting getting big raises and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I arrive is one of those words that it's, it's tough to, to really, you know, hone in on, but, I mean, I think the fact is, um, until Minnesota's going to be willing to really open up the Brinks truck for the assistant coaches, and now they're they're improving that under the new P.J. Fleck contract. Um, but still, I mean, you're never going to be able to compete with the Penn States, the Ohio States, the Michigans, um, just in the Big Ten alone, much less some of the other Blue Bloods. So if, uh, if one of those Blue Bloods wants one of your assistant coaches, unless there's a extreme sense of loyalty, uh, chances are they're going to be putting a better offer on the table, and it's going to be tough for that guy to stick around. Um, when it comes to the second question, you know, I think uh, everybody's hearing that the two favorites for the job are, are Simon and, um, thank you, blanking on our, our tight end coach's name completely. Um, now, Patterson does have a bit of Patterson. offensive coordinator experience already. Granted, it was at the JUCO level, but uh, his offenses were ridiculously explosive. Um so the question I guess PJ Fleck will have to look at is is does that feel like he can he can take that experience and bring it to the to the you know Big Ten? Um, obviously Matt Simon's been calling the plays. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Sunday night they have scrimmages for a lot of the players who are redshirting and for a lot of the players that aren't seeing playing time, whether it be you know the second and third stringers things like that. And Matt Simon has been been calling the offensive plays for those scrimmages all season long. Um, so, you know, he, he has a fairly intricate idea on the current Gopher offense, so you almost wonder if that potentially is a is an advantage towards him. Um, but, you know, I think I think PJ Fleck would be wrong not to look at potential outsider candidates. You know, I think I think even Simon and Patterson would agree that it would be good to get another opinion and another set of eyes in there and just see what uh, they the opinion they may have and if if PJ decides that one of the two in-house guys are the best guy for the job I don't think there'd be any gopher fan who really would complain about that I think we'd be all pretty happy with either one of those guys taking over the reins um you know if he, he decides to make an outside hire um hopefully it's somebody that that wows us because that will be the thing that you know gopher fans will always have a grudge if the offense comes out slow next year because they're bringing in a new person who's installing an entire new package um you know people might be better that he didn't take one of the in-house guys and things like that so um I don't know Chris what do you think on either of those I think when it comes to, you know, inside-outside hire, I think if you're a team like Alabama and you're a program like Alabama, you go outside anytime you feel like it because you can get the pick of whoever you want. I think if you're a team like Minnesota, 
you, I think you have a little bit more trouble. I think you have to call within your network um, as a coaching staff. And if you're calling within your network, I think in this particular case, calling within the staff is probably the way to go. Um, you know, Simon, I would expect, you know, I would agree with Andy, I think has the leg up being the one who's kind of already been a play caller within practices, even if he's not been a uh, offensive coordinator for game time at any of his, his stops. He's also been with Fleck a long time, and while Fleck, I think, is perfectly willing to promote and hire guys who haven't been right there with him the whole way, unlike Jerry Kill, for example, I think he does value, uh, I think he values guys on his staff who he has experience with. I don't think it's a automatic for him, but I think he's had a chance to work with Matt and he's known Matt for a long time, and that certainly isn't going to hurt him. I, I think it would be interesting to see if uh, Patterson's much more wide open experience as an offensive coordinator is somehow more influential. Either, I mean, if he gets the gig, I would assume that Minnesota's not going to switch uh, styles completely, but it'd be interesting to see if he got the job, would they, would they go more up-tempo? Uh, and even if he doesn't, I would expect he'd move into being more of a passing game coordinator position in addition to whatever position coach role he takes. Uh, and if that's the case, does that increase tempo or change anything with you know, somebody who's not Kirk Shiraka at, at the helm. Because I, I think, you know, kind of leading back to the first question, have we arrived? I don't know if we can say that, but Kirk Shiraka easily created the most ex, uh, explosive and successful offense that Minnesota has seen since the Mason days. And I'd argue the fact that they were able to be both effective on the ground and through the air means that this was a superior offense. Um, and as a result, you know, you're talking about whether or not we've arrived, quote-unquote, this is a you're in a situation where it's certainly a recognition that you know having having a school like Penn State go out and poach Kirk Shiraka is a recognition of how successful the offense was and you know I think that's it's kind of a it's an interesting thing cuz as as successful as we were the things that bothered me the most and bothered is a strong word if I had anything I would change about Kirk it's that he got a little he was very much comfortable with the idea of we just want to win. We don't care by how much. And so tempo was not always a thing, um, even even if when there was an opportunity to use ball control and have tempo. And play calling could be predictable at times um, in a way that he certainly showed he was willing to get away from as well. So I guess I'd, I'd be hopeful that either Simon or Patterson or an outside hire would bring a little more spice with them, outside of that, I don't see any need to change the offense generally because Kirk Scirocco was a very good offensive coordinator and this was a very good offense uh, that he had at Minnesota. Um, I don't know. Anything else, Andy, with Kirk going that, that you have on your mind? You know, it'll just be interesting. Um, you know, we I think the Gophers don't play Penn State for a few years, so it's honestly a, a crapshoot, you know, with all the uncertainty depending upon, you know, Everybody has no real idea about P.J. Fleck's long-term future, or honestly, Kirk Shiraka's long-term future. Uh, Penn State's last two offensive coordinators have gotten head coaching jobs, so if Kirk blows up in, in Happy Valley, there's no guarantee he's still the uh, Penn State OC by the time um, by the time Minnesota does face 
the Nittany Lions the next time. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. That will be a storyline if, if we get there when we get there. But, uh, you know, good luck to him. Um, you know, it's interesting to see some of the... Uh, some of the quotes coming out from uh, Penn State's athletes, uh, Pat Fryermuth, they're all Big Ten tight end being one of them, basically throwing some shade the Gophers way, saying, well, yeah, I know Minnesota tight ends didn't really see much in the offense, but I think we have a little bit better tight end room than, than they did back in Minneapolis. And it's like, all right, good luck, kid. Um, you know, I think somebody else compiled the stats, and literally in the last seven years that Chirac has been running an offense with Fleck, the tight ends have a total combined something like 65 receptions in seven seasons. So, um, if, if I'm a, if I'm a crazy good tight end, I, yeah, I might start getting a little worried a little bit that, uh, all of a sudden for whatever reason, this new offense, I might not see the ball as much, but, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see that play out next season as well. But I think at this point, all you can do is wish him well. He's moving closer to his kids. You can't fault anybody for that. And hopefully PJ Fleck will make the right hire to put the Gophers in a good place going into 2020, which is legitimately, um, you know, another season with a stacked offense that should be hopefully operating at, uh, at at full power. Yeah, I'm interested to see how how Kirk's tendencies play in uh, play in Penn State. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, like, because I, I again, I don't begrudge the man. I don't have any. This is not a situation where I think there's any reason to be cranky about it. Like. It's a huge step up. It's a huge opportunity. If he ever wants to be a head coach, this is a great opportunity to, you know, make that move. Being a, a successful offensive coordinator at a place like Penn State is a, a much easier hop to a Penn State uh, to a sorry head coaching job than doing it at Minnesota is. Um, so good luck to him, except when he plays Minnesota. Um, good luck to him, especially when he plays Wisconsin or Iowa or anybody that we dislike. Um, hopefully, he can get some get some wins. All right, Auburn, because there is the Outback Bowl. Outback Bowl, of course, on Wednesday, uh, early game uh, on New Year's Day. Um, the first New Year's Day bowl game for the Gophers since the 2014 Citrus Bowl. Uh, again, facing an SEC opponent, uh, the Auburn Tigers. Auburn, uh, of course, uh, is the reason Alabama had no shot at being part of the college football playoff. They are not a bad team in any way. They are, in fact, a very talented team who can do a lot of uh, things, especially defensively, that I think Minnesota fans would be worried about. Andy, as you've looked at Auburn, what, um, I don't know, what, what worries you the most about Minnesota when they match up against Auburn? Well, I'll be, I'll be stealing a lot of content that, uh, that Blake put together in his preview, which you can read on the blog on Tuesday prior to the game. Um, honestly, the most legitimate thing that scares scares me from a standpoint is Auburn's defense. Uh, Auburn's defense is really, really good. Um, you know, they've got one of the best defensive lines in the country. Uh, Derek Brown, who's probably going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, he unfortunately has said he is playing in the Outback Bowl. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, defensive end Nick Coe is one of their sort of rotational guys. He has said he's going to skip the game, but, uh, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that has, has played time but he's not one of their frontline stars. Um, so we'll be getting, you know, 90% of the of the starting defensive line that arguably is probably one of the three best in the country. Um, you know, along with Brown, Marlon Davidson, another D-end. He leads the team with seven and a half sacks, 11 and a half tackles for loss. Um, two more D-linemen. 
they're starting to D-tackles also play. Auburn rotates eight deep on the D-line, and they're all good. So it's really going to be a test to the Gophers' offensive line to try and at least break even, if not get a strong push. Um, you know, if, if Minnesota can't get enough of a push to get Rodney Smith and, and company a few yards here or there, um, all of a sudden the Gophers turn one-dimensional, and then, then the pass rush can just key in on Tanner Morgan, and that's when bad things usually happen to the Gophers. So, um, you know, and, and Minnesota's going to be struggling. We technically don't know the the status of Daniel Falele for the game. Nobody's officially said anything. Um there's been strong rumors that have been not fully collaborated, but uh, that he has a broken bone in his leg, and probably you won't see him until spring practice. So uh, I would imagine that the Gophers are going to be sitting with their offensive line like we were for two-thirds of the Wisconsin game, and um, for anybody who remembers that one, luckily it's still a little foggy in my memory. That didn't seem to go very well. And um, Auburn's D-line is better. Than Wisconsin, so uh, that would definitely be the part that is uh, the most worrisome to me going forward. Is is making sure that the Gophers can keep Tanner Morgan clean, have some semblance of a rushing game, and to try and be able to actually run their offense at, at full capacity. I guess I would think you know it would be important for Minnesota to be able to get their quick passing game going as well. Start looking at using that as almost a extension of the run. Is there anything, obviously just across the board, they're strong defensively. Is there any, uh, do you see that the secondary or linebackers match up in a way that Minnesota could exploit uh, the passing game a little more? I mean, their secondary isn't as good as their defensive line, but again, that's also not saying much as they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're not, they're not bad. Um, you know, as Blake points out, they've got a, a redshirt senior quarterback in Javaris Davis who's struggled against uh, taller receivers. So that's where, you know, you hopefully you can get Bateman matched up against him or, or, or Crab matched up against him and try and take an advantage rather than, than Tyler. Um, but, you know, their, their safety, Jeremiah Denson, leads the teams in tackles with 79, four and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, two interceptions, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. Um you know, the big biggest thing I think it's going to be is working that middle of the field. Um, it looks like the Auburn's linebackers, they're, they're uh, you know, maybe the, the weakest link of a, of a strong defense. Um, you know, they're... So that's, that's a... That's a uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, they're not... They're, the entire off Auburn defense is really good. I mean, can the Gophers match up they they did a good job matching up against Penn State and take advantage of the matchups that they allowed so I think you're gonna have to you know I would I would expect with with a month to look at tape um started by Shiraka and then finished off by Simon or whatever that the Gophers will be able to find some matchups they think they can exploit then it'll come down to in-game adjustments and who can make the better adjustments so um you know I have no doubt that Minnesota will do their best to to try and move the ball but it's definitely not going to be easy and I would not expect to see Minnesota putting up you know, copious amounts of points on Wednesday. Okay. Uh, Auburn's offense, uh, how do you think the defense is going to match up? Um, given, you know, we're going to be down. Uh, um, help me out here. I'm having I'm having that holiday Kamal brain. Martin is, uh, who, who, yes, Kamal Martin, yes. thank you. Uh, given that Kamal Martin has been a, a key player for the defense all year and he's choosing to 
uh, skip the, the bowl game. Yeah, you know, I, I do like this matchup a little bit better. I think, uh, you know, Auburn likes to run a power rushing attack. that They, they do a lot of shifts and motions. Notice I said shifts there. I didn't, I didn't say the word. Um, <laughs> so it, it's going to be, you know, that will be the test. Is if, if Auburn is shifting and moving a lot of people around, they'll be the test for Braylon Oliver and Mario Sarimarin to sort of keep an eye on that and try and make sure they don't get lost in the wash, um, as, as they have a few times this year. Um, you know, uh, Auburn's offensive line has been a, a question mark. I saw their, their starting center is not going to be able to play due to injury. Um, so, you know, I think trying to get a pass rush, trying to get a push uh, from the defensive line to shut down the rushing attack is going to be key. Uh, Minnesota has done that sometimes this year. They have not other times. Um, you know, Booby Whitlow is their Auburn running back. He's the centerpiece of it. Um, you know, he, he came back... Um, Late in the year, but love the team with 739 rushing. But they also have a freshman, DJ Williams, who who's basically came in and, and held the held the load while Whitlow was out. Um, you know, Whitlow is more of the workhouse real course, and Williams is more of the short yardage back. I expect we'll see a full dose of, of both of them. But uh, what what probably is the most worrisome for Minnesota is is Bo Nix, true freshman quarterback. And, you know, he's not a prolific passer. He's only completing about 57% of his passes this year. Um, but he's a true running quarterback. He has wheels. He has skills. And Minnesota's definitely struggled at time with mobile quarterbacks. So they're going to have to try and, and spy him a little bit. And they're going to have to try and see if, uh, you know, if they do force him out of the pocket, try and contain him. Because that's one of the most frustrating things ever is to watch quarterbacks run for 11 yards on third and eight and, and get first downs and extend drives. And, and Minnesota has definitely struggled with that at times. So, um, you know, I think, I think the Gophers, once again, just like on, on when they're on offense can, can take advantage of some of those mismatches and try and find holes and ways to ways to make plays, but uh, it'll come down to in-game adjustments and who can, who can tweak uh, their play a little bit better to make sure that they're on top towards the end of the game. In general, I guess, uh, what's your? We'll be doing predictions, of course, at the end of the of the pod. But are you feeling optimistic? Are you feeling, hey, this is just uh, it's a bowl game. I don't care. Like, you know, how are you feeling? You know, I mean, it, it it's a bowl game, so in, let's be honest, it's still an exhibition. But you know, there's also going to be a lot of eyes on on this game, and and you know, as much as we don't want to say okay whatever it would be a statement win for minnesota no matter what if they could pull it off um it would turn some heads it would get some people to have notice it would probably put the gophers in a in a little bit more um attention grabbing spot come the preseason rankings in 2020 um you know that may be a good thing that may be a bad thing minnesota likes sort of coming under the radar too so um you know i i the the key is going to be execution. I think Auburn has a has a greater margin for error because they have the the greater talent all throughout. Um, so you know even if they're not executing as well, in theory, the the better talent can carry them further. Um, but we all know that that Minnesota has shown up in bowl games before. Uh, the Gophers are two and zero in bowl games under PJ Fleck, um, and they should in theory look to. Um, you know, I think Gopher coaches are really good at scheming when they have time. Um, we saw that against Georgia Tech last year. Minnesota had a month to prepare for them, and they pretty much dominated Georgia Tech in all facets of the game. 
So I think I trust the uh, the Gopher coaching staff to really have come up with a good, good game plan. Now it's up to the players to go out Wednesday and execute it and hopefully uh, show Auburn and the SEC that uh, the Big Ten is, is willing to bring it to them. Steve, what's your mental approach coming into the bowl game? I mean, I'm really just looking forward to having a shot at someone like Auburn. I mean, I think they had a couple of Penn State, had a couple of opportunities against Iowa and Wisconsin. Um, really, I don't want to call it a litmus test because it is exhibition at the end of the day, but um, having an opportunity to go up against someone like Auburn to really see where you're at at this point in flex tenure, but also capping off one of the better uh, seasons in recent memory is really a cool opportunity. So, I mean, I'm pretty jacked. It's a New Year's Day bowl the Outback Bowl, something that has been on, probably on our radar as a uh, nice-to-have for, for quite a while. It feels more well-earned than the Citrus Bowl a few years ago. We kind of felt like some things fell our way just to sneak into it. It's like, hey, uh, you know, we're we're here. We're ready to, to continue the, like, the, the noise-making, and it just it feels more hyped than usual. So I'm like, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, again, getting a shot at a big-time, big-name program. Um, why not use that victory as a springboard in, into next year where you can come into a preseason bowl rank pretty high and have some legit expectations for, for the Minnesota program. Yeah, I, uh, it's been interesting for me. I, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I, <laughs> I, I have a tendency not to worry about bowl games that aren't the Rose bowl or the college football playoff. Like Everything's on the table for a, a you know to to you know get some hype if you win. If we lose, I just don't. It doesn't bother me too much. Bowl games are are gravy to me, so I'll be pretty relaxed on Wednesday. And that's not to say if they you know put lay a stinker that I won't be annoyed, but I think I'll generally just stay pretty relaxed about the whole thing. Um, well, we've got plenty of winter sports to talk about, but before we get to those, uh, let's hear a word from our sponsors. All right, bringing it back for basketball. Let's talk about uh, men's basketball, kind of the first half recap. We've we've seen some frustration, some from frustrating moments. Uh, the Iowa loss comes very much to mind, and then you've got uh, wins like the big win over Ohio State. You've got just an absolute domination of Oklahoma State. Uh, Steve, I'm going to turn to you as kind of the best basketball mind of the three of us. Uh, what's what's your take on the first half of of the season? Well, it was a it was a roller coaster, and I would I I kind of got to eat some crow here after back to back wins over Ohio State and Oklahoma State. I had I wouldn't say I'd written off the team, but it was looking like it was going to be a slog this year. I mean, they had lost uh, some close ones to Oklahoma, <clears throat> Butler, Utah, DePaul. Got dusted by Iowa. I mean, it was looking like they were not they didn't have the personnel to. Really get things done, get over the hump, not and definitely not the consistency to win games at any sort of uh, yeah, cons- consistent fashion. But then all of a sudden, yeah, especially since especially since like it felt like uh, I mean we kept talking about this team if they're shooting well could play with anybody, but they had yet to put together a real performance where they shot well against any decent competition, and then suddenly boom, Ohio State and Oklahoma State happened. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. I mean, in the, in the off season. Patino had built this team as a quote-unquote shooting team, which <clears throat> I always thought was... I'd never seen an actual Minnesota shooting team, so I was, I was skeptical to say the least, and especially more skeptical when they couldn't actually 
shoot despite taking a ton of shots. But um, you you have guys like Marcus Carr, you have guys like Kalisher who have had spurts and bursts and single single one-off games where they've scored a lot of points. Then you have this Iowa game, which I really am hoping an outlier. They combine they combine to go one from twenty-one from the field, and you're not going to win any game. Two of your three best players, um, and that was that was again the the, the road twenty-point loss to Iowa. But these last two games, beating Ohio State, who was the the de facto number one team at the time, they were between polls, and it was Sunday. They were going to be ranked Ohio State if they won uh, number one the next coming poll. Um, that was a game that basically never close after the first seven minutes to dominate the number one team in the country. That doesn't happen by accident. Uh, Marcus Carr took it to a different level, 35 that night. I mean, that also doesn't happen by accident. And then to not only fall, not, not only to beat Ohio State, but to follow that up with a dominating road-ish win. It, it was actually a neutral site game. They were in Oklahoma. Over Oklahoma State, they were up by 30 points at one point. Gabe Usher scoring 34 points. Um, that was... That changed my perception after the back-to-back dominating wins of who this team can be, um, especially being in a conference like the Big Ten this year where anyone can really beat anyone. There's a huge glut in the middle of the conference um, where they they can get things right here, start the conference season off right. They might actually be in position to make the Andy, who's your kind of MVP for the first half of the season is it is there or maybe i should rephrase is anybody besides daniel arturo your mvp uh manuel baburu um i mean you could make an argument that 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 peyton willis has been playing above where i think a lot of people had had thought he was going to coming into the season and he's really led a little bit of stability to that uh, off guard position for the gophers of course he's now missed the last he missed the Oklahoma State game. It sounds like he's going to miss the Florida International game tomorrow, uh, suffering, uh, dealing with an injury, um, which I think he originally got hurt in the DePaul game, if I remember. So he's been battling with that for a while. So, um, you know, I think if the Gophers can get him back and healthy by the time the Big Ten season comes around, that will be a, a big thing. But but honestly, to be perfectly to be perfectly true, it's been Daniel Aturu's team. He's been the only major consistent link on this on this squad. Um, you know, we've had we've had great individual plays. Uh, you know, on on any given night from from Marcus Carr and from and from Gabe Kalsher, but um, it's been the Aturu show for the entire season, and he's really led the way. Steve, anybody besides uh, Aturu take your kind of MVP slot? Uh, I. Got to be true. I mean, it's insane that it's insane how quiet of a season it seems like he's had when he has. He's really actually dominating. He's, he's dominating. I mean, he's got 18 points uh, per game. He's got 11 rebounds per game. He's averaging a double double, and he's doing it more more dominating fashion than like a Jordan Murphy would have done. Pretty crazy. I mean, so he's he's the de facto MVP. I don't want to sleep on Marcus Carr. He's got to be more consistent. Um, he's be the team MVP. But this is. If you guys, I mean, for people who are listening, haven't had a chance and haven't really paid much attention to basketball so far this year, this is an explosive guy, uh, someone who can take over games, uh, and not unlike an Andre Collins type. Uh, he's gonna, he's going to be able to score 20, 25 points a night. But and he can also deliver the ball. Um, we're seeing, we're seeing these guys come together. It was a, it was a, a shock when Amir Coffey went to the NBA. 
good thing for him for sure but left patino in a little bit of a lurch and there was going to be some time for this team and i think we're starting to see that happen i hope we're starting to see that happen um especially if you tuned in for the ohio state Oklahoma state games um those they've looked different compared to the rest of the season so the gophers sit at six and five right now seven games into the season they won two in a row. Uh, Big Ten looks like it's pretty much wide open. And they have one more non-conference game before conference play starts January 2nd. And it seems like all bets are off. I mean, there's a Ken Palm predicts, uh, at least just the, the projections for the rest of the year, uh, something like eight of the 14 Big Ten teams could finish in between nine. And there's a lot of room for error, uh, but also a lot of opportunity to make some make some gains even though they're sitting there at six and five um, have the eighth hardest schedule so far this year um, so it's not unreasonable for them to be in this position right now would have loved to have them pick up one of those uh, non-conference games but they played a really hard non-conference schedule and it might end up paying dividends down the road looking ahead to tomorrow florida international which uh is of course where richard patino came from before he, he he spent a year there before he came to minnesota uh you know is there anything really to be worried about with uh florida international or should this be a fairly straightforward non-conference win on paper they look like they've been doing okay they're, they're nine and three this year but three of those games have come against naia competition so they could take that with a little bit of a grain of salt uh, they're playing people like Ave Maria University and Florida Memorial. So I'm sure you've heard Wait, of that's an actual that's an actual school. That's right. NAIA Division Two. Please tell me that like their fight song is like Ave Maria. <laughs> I'll let you. Uh, that's what I look that one up. If it's not, if it's not, they're doing it wrong. I feel but, uh, their mascot. You'll never get guess this one is the gyre. I don't know what a gyre. I'm about to Google. I'm about to Google that. All right. So, if they were to beat Minnesota, how would they do it? Okay. Well, I mean, F, uh, FIU is um, they they fit the profile of someone who could knock off a Big Ten team. They haven't done it yet this year. They played North Carolina State and Mississippi State decently close, but they haven't played anyone mentioned since 13. Um, they have a senior laden team though, which always makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, mid-major teams that have played together for a long time don't get rattled on the road. Um, they can usually fight through and put some pressure on Ben Team Minnesota. However, um, they do do most of their damage down low, and I don't think they perform uh, perform as, as well as they should against guys. Uh, I think they'll be able to knock them off balance, uh, show them what's what in the Big Ten, uh, bring them back down a bit, and I wouldn't expect to go for the face. Face too much of a challenge, and I'm I'm, I'm projecting them by about ten. So just so you know, I'm looking at uh, the gyrenes. Their their mascot appears to be some sort of dog-looking thing. The only gyrene I'd ever heard of was like as a slang term for the Marines. And when I Google gyrene, that's what I get. So, so so I also am googling Ave Maria because we've definitely lost the whole point of this now. Um, apparently. There's a city slash town in Florida named Ave Maria, and that's where it is. And it appears, if you pull up the Google map, that it's literally in the middle of the bleeping Everglades. Like, in the middle of nowhere. 
Well, all right. It was also, okay, it was also so... founded by the founder of Domino's Pizza, so I have no idea what the connection is there. <laughs> Here right. we go. <laughs> What's your prediction for uh, tomorrow's game? Oh, I'm taking the I'm taking the Gophers by ten. It's a Saturday matinee again. My, hopefully, it's not, hopefully it's not too sleepy, but I think the Gophers are feeling pretty good right now. Uh, roll right into conference play, then they got. The real season, quote-unquote, starts on January 2nd at Purdue. Then we are off to the races. All right. Um, women's basketball. Andy, what's your takeaway from the first half of the season for uh, for the women? Well, Waylon uh, seems to really know how to coach the non-conference season. Let's put it that way. Um, after after starting 12-0 in the non-conference last season, uh, the Gophers dropped their opener to Missouri State, who at the last time I looked was ranked number two or three in the RPI. Um, so, you know, what we originally thought was sort of a questionable loss is, is definitely not so much so far. Um, but they've won their last 10 games, so they finished the non-conference season 10-1. and one. Uh, They head into their Big Ten opener tomorrow. Uh, at Penn State, and uh, it appears for the second year in a row the Gophers are getting a bit of a gift from the Big Ten schedulers, um, just like they opened up with Wisconsin, who was god-awful last year in the non-conference, or in the Big Ten season. They open up with Penn State this year, who is not very good. Um, they're on a, a new coach, uh, new coach for some of us, some listeners who may recognize the name, Carolyn Keeger. Um, she was most recently at Marquette for five years, but she is a Edina native, um, played at Marquette as well. So, uh, one, one of, of us, us. One, one of us. Of but, um, but yes, so, uh, Penn State's the, if you look at the overall standings, which I mean, obviously non conference schedules vary, uh, the Gophers are sitting at 10 and 1 with several other Big Ten schools Nebraska, Northwestern, Rutgers, Indiana at 10 and 2. Uh, Penn State has the worst non conference record of any of the Big Ten teams at 6 and 5. And, and that's a legitimate 6-5. and five. It's not like Penn State has played a lot of really good teams. They, they haven't played that many good teams. They're just not going to be good this year. So uh, the Gophers, in theory, should go into to Happy Valley tomorrow and pick up their first Big Ten win of the year, uh, move to 11-1 before they get their first real test, uh, opening up at home against Ohio State on New Year's Eve. That's, a I think, a 3 o'clock matinee. Um, 4 o'clock matinee, excuse me. So that will be their first real conference test, um, Ohio State still is is pretty loaded they they've lost four games um in the non-conference but they also lost to UConn which you know okay and they lost to Stanford who is the number one ranked team in the country right now so um Ohio State still has some talent they've just been playing a really tough non-conference schedule so uh that'll be the first real test for for Whale and her staff um, you know, they've gotten a lot of really good play from a couple of young players. Uh, Sarah Scalia, freshman out of Stillwater, has really stepped in. She's She's been starting the last five games or so at, at, at the two guard and has uh, pretty much lived up to the hype um, playing well. Uh, Destiny Pitts has been having some of her, her best games of the season lately. So the Gophers are clicking. The question will be is can they continue that as they move into Big Ten play? Um, you know, for those of you who don't remember last year after that opening win at Wisconsin, they would lose seven Big Ten games in a row, and then they'd turn around and win seven Big Ten games in a row. Um, so hopefully it will be a little bit a little bit less, um, you know, crazy divided season this year. And uh, with hope 
with the uh, the 10-1 start wasn't a strong non-conference schedule for Minnesota, um, but if they can put together a uh, 500 record in the Big Ten, it might be enough to get them into the NCAA tournament come March. Hopefully, too, they uh, avoid some of last year's tendency to have a decent lead and then slowly make Andy and uh, U Street jump off a cliff by the end of the game. That would be nice, I think, to avoid. Um, so, fingers crossed for that. Andy, real quick, hockey. I mean, uh, both teams have been on kind of a break for a while, haven't they? Or am I just they've been paying that poor? Yeah, money? you know, hockey takes the third or three-week break for finals and the holidays and stuff like that. Um, the major thing of note, men's hockey world, obviously, last week, uh, the Gophers lost a legend in Doug Woog. Um, Woog, who was a three-year player and an All-American for the Gophers as a forward in the early 60s and then became... Um, one of the most successful head coaches um, from 85 to 99 in the Gopher program died of Parkinson's at the age of 75 Um, and the Gophers are going to be honoring him this weekend Uh, they pick up play again Saturday starting uh, an all Minnesota Mariucci Classic which would just be appropriate for for Woog Um, the Gophers will play Bemidji State on Saturday while uh, St. Cloud State and, and Minnesota State Mankato play in the other semifinal and then obviously the the winners and losers will play on Sunday. But um, the Gophers are going to be wearing uh, their gold uniforms uh, against the game against Bemidji State, all with uh, Wooger nameplates. Um, yeah, nice. and, and they unveiled a new patch that they'll be wearing the rest of the season. And uh, they're going to be honoring Woog's legacy uh, before their home game against Ohio State on January 25th, where they're going to be bringing in his family and a lot of his former players and things like that. So that should be a, a pretty good experience for the Gophers. But um, you know, it, it's been a, it's been a rough season for for this team so far. They're they're coming in. Um, you know, hopefully they can maybe use this this Mariucci Classic to try and regroup and get themselves ready to jump back into Big Ten play. Um, you know. It's not been an amazing, amazing season for the Gophers thus far, but um, you know, pretty much with with the rough non-conference schedule they had, their only chance of making the NCAA tournament is going to be winning the Big Ten tournament at the end of the year. They sit at five, nine, and four so far right now, and and they they I mean they've gotten swept by North Dakota, and they uh, ended up taking one point uh, from Ohio State the last regular season series before the break, so. Um, you know, the Gophers get this series and they get one more week off before they, they jump back into Big Ten play. Um, they go to Michigan State, and then they host Ohio State, and then uh, a big series at Wisconsin in January. So, um, you know, hopefully the break refocus them and they can figure things out. But uh, right now they're still reeling a little bit um, as they head back into the second part of the season. How about the women? How are they shaping up as we come to the meeting? Yeah, the women, they still have one more week off. They'll reopen the second half of their season next weekend when they host Yale at Ritter Arena. But uh, they have been a typical Gopher women's team. They've been ranked number one or number two in the in the polls all season long, currently number two, 15-1-3 and on the season. Uh, they are one point behind Wisconsin in the WCHA. The Badgers lead with 31 points. Minnesota has 30 Um Wisconsin 10-1-1, one one, their only loss and, and tie coming to Minnesota, whereas the Gophers have a, a loss and two ties. Um, one of those other ties coming to UMD, and I think a loss was to, to UMD as well. So, um, 
But yeah, I mean, let's let's be honest. It's going to come down to the end of the year. It's going to be Minnesota and Wisconsin once again. Um, the Gophers are, are sitting pretty. Um, you know, like I said, they get they get Yale to, to reopen the schedule in, in two weeks, and then it's back to the the last half of the Big Ten or the, excuse me, the WCHA schedule. Um, you know, it gets a little bit tougher. They have to go to Madison in in end of January. Um, they have to go to Bemidji where they've had struggles for whatever reason. Um, but they get UMD at home and Ohio State at home. So uh, hopefully Minnesota can continue to keep pace with the Badgers and try and, and win another regular season title. Um, but like I said, it's going to come down to the end of the year. Minnesota-Wisconsin, whoever wins the WCHA probably gets the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Whoever doesn't probably gets the number two seed. And with luck, they'll stay at one and two, and so they won't have to face each other till the uh, championship game. All right, it is Outback Bowl time. We're going to finish talking about the Outback Bowl briefly. Before we get to predictions, I actually have the most important question either of you will answer. Uh, Steve, I'm going to start with you. Which is better, coconut shrimp or a blooming onion? You know, I've been having this conversation with my friends a lot. We are, well, I think this is, did you guys know this is common knowledge? Maybe it's not, but uh, the underdog is always generally named the Team Coconut Shrimp. Because uh, it costs. Wait, was it was it the underdog? I thought basically at this point, or is it just that the Big Ten team is always the underdog? Because it seems like the Big Ten team is always Team Coconut. Shrimp. Well, that was the uh, that was the conversation. Is that is if the Big Ten team is, is usually the underdog, uh, they would be Team Coconut Shrimp because it costs more to put a plate of coconut shrimp out there for, for people who are redeeming their free um, appetizer. I, I, I would assume that the a full onion costs less than shrimp i mean that seems reasonable simple economic chris regardless you still haven't answered my question are you team coconut shrimp or team blooming onion i'm team coconut you're a monster why are you on this podcast i i wash my hands of you if i could cut off your mic now i would um andy team coconut shrimp or team blooming onion it's all about the onion baby Okay, that's scaring me also. But you gave the correct answer, so you may continue to participate. Steve, I'll reevaluate your participation at a later time. Although I suppose the fact that I'm going to be gone for most of January gives you a chance to spew your horrible, horrible takes about coconut shrimp to the masses for a little while longer. Well, I have a couple more uh, Ave Maria facts if you want. Oh, yes, let's get some Ave Maria facts, then we'll do predictions. Great, well, uh, if you didn't know, Ave Maria is also in the town of Ave Maria, which is a planned college town. So it was created by the same founder of Domino's Pizza, who founded the university. So he created a town for himself, (laughs) for his university. Um, And that's where it it exists now. It's unincorporated, um, but the the university is the major employer of that town, if you couldn't guess that. And it also has a severe mosquito problem. As one might expect, being in the middle of the Everglades. Yeah, it's the most sprayed area in southwest Florida. So, there you go. Some some bar facts for you. So, all right. So, threat threat of Zika constantly present for you. And, uh, wow. Why that? But just, that's just, just think of all that glorious Domino's pizza in the dining halls. Every single meal. I mean, at least to my knowledge, the Domino's Pizza founder didn't, you know, manage to go crazy racist like Papa John. So I guess they got, at least he's, if he's done it, he's kept it to himself. So, 
All right, predictions. Oh, and also, thank you for the Ave Maria facts, Steve. You have redeemed yourself from your previous coconut shrimp blunder. Um, my blessings upon you. My blooming onion blessings upon you. Uh, predictions. Andy, what's your prediction for Gophers versus Auburn on Wednesday in the Outback? Well, Bowl? this is definitely the least confident I felt going into a game since uh, Penn State. So we're going to hope that the uh, the reverse jinx is still in effect. I picked Penn State to win that game. Obviously, they did not. Um, I picked Minnesota to beat Iowa and Wisconsin. Obviously, they did not. So we're going to go uh, Auburn 28, Minnesota 21, and hope that I'm wrong. Steve? Oh, I haven't picked uh, against Minnesota since I picked Fresno State to beat Minnesota and was very embarrassed after that game. Uh, so I'm taking Minnesota 31-21, and I will be redeeming my coconut shrimp coupon the very <laughs> um god i don't know i mean reality like logic says auburn takes this and it's probably a 10 point loss <sighs> I, I can't pick that though because it's a 10 and 2 season and i'm enjoying winning and so i will go minnesota 21 auburn 17 yeah 21 17 minnesota victory and uh hope i'm right so uh folks of course keep it tuned to the blog we're gonna have your outback bowl preview um we're gonna have you know recaps of uh the basketball games uh we're gonna see you know just generally the all that good, all that good content's well, going to be coming. Your and way and some New of the Year. best content, if you haven't seen, it started with Blake's initial post on Friday. But we are, of course, as we're coming to the end of the 2010s, uh, going to be putting out our our, our all decade teams for our several Gopher sports. So um, it won't just be football. We'll have uh, we'll have both men's and women's hockey, and and if Street gets his crap together, both men's and women's basketball as well. Um, <laughs> so check those out between now and and probably New Year's Eve, as we'll just start spamming you guys here uh in a day or two with that friendly holiday call out to our colleague uh we will talk to you later go gophers sky you ma row the boat (laughs) 